So um, Bob said that he has this wonderful sermon prepared for you guys for homecoming. I think we should let him practice tonight. What do you think? (laughs) Well, thank you for inviting me back. I think I was here maybe three years ago, we think. May have been the time I was here for pulpit exchange. I was pretty sure you wouldn't invite me back. Um, But for some reason, here I am again. And I am extremely glad that you decided to bring me back. But I was thinking about that when Bob was telling me that the first night uh, of your revival, you had 1,000 in attendance. (laughs) The second night, you had 800. And then he said, but tonight the Redskins are playing, so you may not have so many tonight. Well, it may not have been exactly that way, but yeah. You know Bob. Thank you, Bob, for inviting me back. Um, He actually caught me at a weak moment. Um, We were on vacation, and um, I usually don't check the cell phone on vacation. It's not a good thing. And so it buzzed, and, and it said Bob Weeks. And I thought, you know, Bob had some good information or something for me, and and I read it, and it said, would you be willing to preach a revival for us? One, one night, he said, and um, on vacation, it's, you know, hard to say no. So, but we've had a wonderful time with Bob and Lydia and uh, Karen and Norm this evening. Uh, the dinner was absolutely delicious. You know, you should never feed a preacher before they have to speak, because for some reason it gets longer. And, and then I read uh, Bob's instructions for tonight, and he said, you know, he said, casual dress. He said, um, I typically preach about 10 minutes. He said, but you could preach 15 if you'd like. And he said, 20 is about the limit. There you go. So um, after a delicious meal and some wonderful music, well, we might be here for a while, um, and maybe the Redskins will still be playing um, when we finish. I am not a sports fan, by the way, so either way that goes, I'm okay. Um, Bob was talking about the Nats earlier, and I said, Bob, it in a little bit too cold for the Nats. And he pulls out his phone, and he said, the temperature in D.C. is... And he started reading off the temperature. Yeah, talk to Debbie about the sports. <clears throat> she can tell you that I am not the sports person. So, But thank you for inviting us back. Um, Debbie and I thoroughly enjoyed our time with you before I think we even uh, had the opportunity to be with you in Sunday school. And uh, it's a wonderful uh, day. And so we are very thankful that you invited us to come back. The scripture for this evening is from Romans, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? 
It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or the sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Once again, mighty God, we pray that your spirit will be upon us and use these words, words of our music, the words we speak, the actions we take, the movement of our bodies, the movement of our hearts and our souls. Use them as you bind them together, that glory might come to you through everything we do and say. In the name of Jesus, amen. Fall of the year is upon us, and the Indians went to their chief, And the chief was a wise old man, and they trusted him. And so they went to the chief and said, Chief, is it going to be a cold winter? And the chief, not really knowing, and not really knowing what to say, he said, Yes, you should gather firewood. And then, being the good chief that he is, he decided the next week he would find out what the weather was going to be, so... He found the nearest phone booth and he called the National Weather Service and asked the National Weather Service, is it going to be a cold winter? And the person on the other end said, it sure is. So the chief hung up and he went back to his people and he said, it's going to be a really cold winter. You should probably gather a little bit more firewood. And so the the people, they went out and they gathered more firewood and And the chief thought, you know, I better check this out again. So he goes back the next week. He calls the National Weather Service and says, are you sure it's going to be a really cold winter? And and the guy says, yes, it's going to be a tremendously cold winter. And so he went back to his people and said, you need to gather more firewood. It's going to be a really, really bad winter. And so the chief, you know, once again, he's, he's being the wise chief. He goes back and he calls the Weather Service again and says, All right, so you've told me now for three times that it's going to be a bad winter. How do you know it's going to be a bad winter? Tell me, is it really going to be a bad winter like you say? And and the man on the other end says, it certainly is. He said, the Indians are collecting firewood like crazy. (laughs) So how how many of you trust the National Weather Service? Um, your, your weather people who tell you what the weather's going to do we have any weather people here who predict the weather? 
Um, the key word there is predict. They predict whether they can't tell you what it's going to do. I think God's the only one who can tell us what it's going to do. But how many of us trust that message that comes on the TV every night um, at 6 o'clock and 11 to tell us how we're going to plan our day tomorrow? We, we listen to that, right? No? Wait and see what happens. Just open up the door or the window and look out, and you probably have a better chance. But somehow, for most of us, myself included, I, I want to know what's going to happen. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. So tonight I want to, because I, I think that God can tell us more about the weather than the weather people. I think God can tell us more about life and about how to live than anyone else. And if we listen to God as well as we listen to the weather people, we'd probably be much better off. But I want to share another scripture with you tonight as well. It's from Joshua. It's uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book, the book we have even now, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. Do we hold to God's word? Meditate on it day and night? After all, I mean, uh, the, the promise is still true for us today, isn't it? That, that God's going to give us the land. He's going to give us what he promised to our ancestors for us to claim and for us to share. Is that still true today? Is that still a promise that God offers to us? Maybe it, it may not be the land of Canaan, but certainly it is the land of the righteous, is it not? The land of God's people that God promises to us. But we have to hold on to the word. Don't stray to the right or to the left, but hold on to it. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Hold on to that word that God provides to us. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, God, to Joshua, I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong. 
Be courageous. Those are some hard commands, are they not? Um, I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't take a lot to frighten me. Um, Especially when we're talking about uh, spiritual things. You know, the first time um, one of the church members come and they say, uh, Preacher, you're not doing this right. I'm like, okay, what do you want me to change? Or maybe somebody from the community, Preacher, your church is just absolutely horrible. Yeah, you're right. What, What can we do to change that? It doesn't take a whole lot to to frighten me, especially when it comes to spiritual things. You know, like when um, a a few years ago um, somebody said, and and I don't think it was a terribly bad thing, but but somebody said, we need to take prayer out of school. I just didn't say anything. Any any of you guys say anything then? Or or even now maybe? And, And it wasn't necessarily, you know, the issue of taking prayer out of school because you know, today we can see where God's hand was, was in that because we have so many different religions in our country and, and we would need to respect all of those in the school. But maybe what God was saying was, <clears throat> don't take prayer out of your heart, which is kind of what we did, right? I mean, because we could pray anywhere at any time. <clears throat> we don't have to be sitting in church or sitting in a school But we choose not to because we're afraid of what others might say. So um, as I uh, thought about the theme for tonight, hold on to God's unchanging hand, I thought about the time when my children were small. And um, I I hear it often when kids are out in the park or in in the mall and the parent says, all right, you have to hold on to my hand. You, you ever hear that? You have to, grandkids or whatever, you have to hold on to my hand. And, and why do you want them to hold on to your hand? So that you can control them and yank them around and pull them wherever you want them to go? Or is it because you want to protect them? So I, I used to say, um, you have to hold the pinky. You don't have to hold the whole hand. You know, that kind of gives them a little bit of freedom because it's easier to let go of the the pinky. I'm not holding them by the pinky. They're holding me. And and it's easy for them to let go if they want to and and go astray. So it kind of teaches them you you need to be protected. You need to hold the pinky. And so they hold the pinky. And as I thought about that, I thought about the security of, of my children in my presence, holding the pinky. And I thought about... Uh, the security that I have when all I need to do is hold God's pinky. I don't need to hold God's hand because, you know, God might squeeze it a little bit too hard. And he might hold on a little bit too much for me. And, and he might try to control me. But if I'm holding on to God and just his pinky is enough, then I, I can experiment if I want to because he gives me a chance to have free will to choose that. It's an awesome thing, isn't it? But you know, I, I don't know how my children felt when they let go of my pinky. But I certainly know how I feel when I let go of God's pinky. I feel lost. I know when I'm not holding on to God's pinky. 
I know when I am not in God's presence. And that security that has been true time and time again, that's what we depend on, isn't it? I mean, that's what our children depend on. That, that they know we are going to protect them even when they're 35 years old. They still know. They still love to have that sense of security that, that mom and dad and those of us who have lost mom and dad, you know that emptiness that we feel. And at times we can recover some of that when we think about those times when, when we were in their presence and we were having those conversations. And isn't it also true when we're away from God and we don't feel God's security and we don't feel God's assurance that everything's okay? So my question really is, do we trust God enough to hold on? The lesson from Joshua certainly was a promise to the people, was it not? Think of that. That's an awesome promise. That I am going to let you, let us, be free to go out into this new land. But you need to understand what you have to do. You have to hold on to this book. You have to hold on to this law. Don't stray from it. You have to be strong and you have to be courageous because when you go out into this big world, when you leave this church tonight, you're going to be tempted to go home and watch the Redskins game or maybe the ball game or whatever it might be that will distract us from being in the presence of God. And we're distracted from that every day, not just tonight when we leave, but tomorrow when we go to work and the next day and the next day. And we're pulled away from God. You have to be strong and courageous in these days to hold on to God. And that's where I fail. And it's not God who lets go of me. It's me letting go of God. And then I'm reminded of those many times when God calls me back. You know, we go looking for our children when they let go, say, so what did I tell you? You need, to, you need to hold on. You'll get lost. And if you ever lost a child, you know what that feels like. And I wonder how God feels when, when we run away from God. So then, that promise is true. The next promise is just as true. That promise from Romans We'll paraphrase that one a bit. If God is for us, who is against us? What is it, my friends, that will separate us from God? Yes, there are many distractions. And and the scripture from Romans gives us a whole list of, of all of those distractions, right? Life, death. Powers, principalities, the list goes on and on. And then it comes back to the, to the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is this. There is nothing in all of creation. All, think about that. All of creation. There is no human being. There is no force. There is no power. There is nothing in all of creation that will be able to separate you and I from the love of Christ Jesus. 
It's a pretty awesome promise, is it not? So any of you ever heard of a pie crust promise? So in order to hear of a pie crust promise, you probably um, need to watch uh, the, the old movie, not the new one, but the old movie Mary Poppins. Remember Mary Poppins? And Mary Poppins is with the children, Michael and Jane, and, and she's getting them ready for the evening, and they're making her a promise that they're going to be good, and Mary Poppins says to the children, that is a pie crust promise. It is easily made and easily broken. Those are the kind of promises we make to each other. We make them every day, right? But the promises God makes to us are not pie crust promises. Joshua is not a pie crust promise. The last verse of Joshua where he says, I will be with you wherever you go. It's forever. It's not just when you feel good about God or you feel like you're in church. That's forever and wherever. I don't know about you guys, but that's a pretty awesome promise. And God doesn't change from that promise. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Hold on to that pinky because it doesn't change. In 1989, there was an earthquake in Armenia. And in just a few minutes, that earthquake killed 30,000 people in just a few moments. A father, following the earthquake, ran to his son's elementary school. And when he got there... The school was leveled. There was nothing left. And he stood looking at it, and tears welled up in his eyes, and he began to cry. And he thought about his little boy in that school, and he thought about the promise he had made to his son. He had told his son every day, Son, no matter whatever happens, I will be there for you. And he began to sob. And then he remembered where his son's classroom was. It was in the corner of that building. And he went over to the corner where his son's classroom was, and he began to dig. And as he began to remove debris, other parents came, and they too began to cry. And and then they would say to this boy's father, it's too late, there's nothing left. There are no survivors. And they would walk away. But he continued to dig. Four hours passed and police officer came by and said, Mister said, there are no survivors here. The school was leveled. Go home. And the father continued to dig. The fireman came by four hours later and said, Sir, you need to go home. There are no survivors here. And the father turned to the fireman and said, When are you going to start helping me? And he continued to dig. And eight hours turned into 16 hours. 16 hours into 24 hours. 24 hours into 36 hours. And he did not stop. And finally he removed a stone and he heard a small voice that said, Daddy? And he yelled out his son's name 
And the son cried, Daddy, is that you? I told all the other kids that if you were alive, you would come and save me. And you would save all of them. Because, Daddy, I remembered your promise. That no matter what happens, I will always be there for you. And he saved his son and all those other kids. My friends, that's what God says to us. Wherever you are, I will be there. Hold on to those promises that I have given to you. Make a difference in your household. Make a difference in your community. Make a difference in your church. Hold on to those promises because they are eternal. They are forever. Be strong. Be courageous. For I will be with you wherever you go. I will not leave you. I will be with you. For there is nothing in all of creation that will separate you from my love. Hold on to God's pinky. It is strong enough. Let us pray. Mighty God, there are certainly times when we let go. And so tonight, we pray that you will indeed give us courage. Courage to hold on. When the storms come, and we know they do, and there may be some tonight who are living in the midst of that storm, we pray that you will give us courage, that we might be strong, that we might remember that you have always been with us. We might know that you will always be with us. Give us that assurance that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. In the name of Jesus, amen. Holy Father, we do give you thanks for uh, this evening. We thank you for those who have led us tonight, for those who have uh, proclaimed your word and uh, uh, in music and, Father, through preaching. We pray that as we go out of this place, Father, that we have been revived. We know that sometimes everything in the church, it seems like it has to be dramatic and has to be uh, something that uh, is uh, perhaps a bit overly produced. But, Father, this is just a simple time the last three nights just to come and to hear your word proclaimed and uh, to feel the uh, blessing of fellowship with other Christians and to know, Father, that you are always there with that unchanging hand that we can cling to no matter what. I thank you for this church, and I thank you for those uh, in our sister churches around us, Father, who together as we proclaim our faith in Jesus Christ are a witness to the world. May it ever be so, and may this night we go forth in your peace, and amen.